Good morning again. I want to take a quick second. Um, a few weeks ago when we were teaching through the Holy Spirit, John had shared a great example when he was up here teaching about how Scripture refers to us, the church, as the body of Christ. And how it's really important for each part to do its job. And if it doesn't, the other parts have to pick up the slack and it causes harm and, and damage to the rest of the body. And one of the ways that we make sure that each of the parts here at Crossroads are doing that part is having a teaching team. So most Sundays you'll see me up here teaching. There are six other people who do the math, that means roughly twice a year, you'll get to see them up here teaching. And those people are John Safarian, who I, who I mentioned, my wife Gail, uh, Carrie Stratton, David Carlson, Ian Draper, and my good friend Leanne. Mm -hmm. And Leanne is going to be um, bringing us the word of God this morning. So join me in welcoming her. I know this is week two of the Psalms, The Greatest Hits, and I'm supposed to be giving you a greatest hit. But um, in my, and you're all holding this, I'm telling you this because you're all holding this piece of paper that says Psalm 139, and then for the next 20 minutes you're going to go, when is she going to start talking about Psalm 139? <laughs> and it's not because I'm not going to get to it eventually, but in my um, preparation, um, when I decided to do Psalm 139 and then discovered that it was a lament psalm and then started looking more into what is lament, um, my notes for lament got bigger and bigger and I still had notes for Psalm 139, but I just kept coming back to this realization that I didn't really have a full understanding of what lament is and I'm guessing maybe you guys don't have a full understanding or maybe you do but you would like to be reminded of what lament is and so today I'm going to actually refer to a few different psalms that um, are lament psalms and then we're going to end up at Psalm 139 at the very end. If you want to know more about Psalm 139 you should ask Scruff if you can come and sit in the back of his uh, talk at club tonight because he's actually teaching on 139 um, tonight, but ask permission first. But, uh, yeah. uh, all right, so, oops, we've got words. Can you take me to the start, Ian, of, the, of my notes? All right. So here, I'm just going to launch right into the big idea today. God is a big God. He can handle our lament. There is no attempt in Scripture to whitewash the anguish of God's people when they undergo suffering. They argue with God. They complain to God. They weep before God. Theirs is not a faith that leads to dry-eyed stoicism, but to a faith so robust it wrestles with God. It's a, a quote by Carl, Dave, I think his name was David Carson, um, a the theologian that I came across this week, and I just loved it because that whole idea of having a robust faith that gives me permission to wrestle with God in, in the hard times is so amazing. Um, I grew up in a family of three kids. I'm the eldest. My brother is 16 months younger. My sister is only two years younger than that. So we're all within 30 months of each other, which is quite a gang when you get us together at a table, especially a dinner table. And my dad, I grew up with, I wrote a few of them down really quickly, dinner, dinner table rules. He was, he, for some reason, dinner table rules were his thing, right? So to give you an example... Boys had to come to the table. My brother had to cover the table all the time with a shirt on, right? Like it's hot in Australia. Didn't matter. He still had to go and get dressed. The girls also had to have shirts on. That sounds like, that really sounds like. But the rule for the girls was our hair had to be out of our face. My dad could not stand it if we had 
our hair, long hair in our face. So boys' shirts, girls' hair pulled back. You sat down at the table, you pulled your chair in, and you sat up. Your elbows never touched the table. You were not allowed to have your elbows on the table. Your, this is a little different for Americans, Australians. Fork in the left, knife in the right, never any different. And yes, and you should eat and cut this way, not stab and shovel this way. But we'll, we'll talk about American and Australian dinner rules differently another time. Uh, fork in the left, knife in the right. Food goes up to your mouth. You don't go down to your food. Food has to be, you know how wide your fork is? Each mouthful shouldn't be wider. Fork wide this way by this way, you know? There's none of that shoving it in your mouth. Um, when you are done, and you may have some more, you put your cutlery or silverware on the edges of your plate. When you're done and you're not going to have any more, you put them in the middle together. Um, there was rules about passing food across and around the table. There was rules about talking. There was rules about laughing. We had rules about everything. So... What happens? My brother makes it his mission in life to get my sister and I in trouble at any cost at the dinner table because all it took was a kick under the table or when my dad wasn't looking, he would find the biggest piece of food he could find and be like, ah, you know, and then sit straight back up. And of course, we would start laughing, then you had to control your laughing, and if you didn't control your laughing, you got sent away from the table. You got sent to your room until you could get yourself together and you could come back to the table. Now, why am I telling you all this? <laughs> because I realized my idea of lament was those five minutes that I spent in my bedroom silently saying how much I hated the dinner table rules, how much how unfair they were, how I wish my brother would die, I wish that <laughs> I, you know, had a different dad, I wish I could just eat however... That time by myself when no one could hear me, no one, that was my definition of lament because then, of course, I would come back to the table, I would smile at my dad, smile at my brother, apologize, sit down and eat. And I think that's what I always thought was the same with God, that my lament or my time when I was going to cry out was somewhere where no one heard me and it was away from because you wouldn't dare question like that. I mean, I wouldn't with my dad and I, you know, God, we have the same thing, the same feelings sometimes. Um, I read this quote this week. We stifle our grief, our rage, our questions, our sense of injustice. We do it in the name of respect, as if we will offend God's sensibilities and as if he has not heard our thoughts already. So we present composed prayers, polite prayers and dignified prayers. And I know because I know some of you, and I know because we're people, as we've come together today, we've come with sadness, with doubt, with questions, with tough stuff going on. And I really hope that as we look at these, um, this idea of lament in Psalms, you can see that there is no need for us to politely polish our prayers, compose them, and that lament Psalms and lament gives us a way and permission to bring our fiercest and most untamed thoughts and emotions to God, and it gives us a way to do it, and it shows us what God's response is to it. So let's start with, what is lament? Oh. Oh. <laughs> Why does it keep going there? I'm going backwards? Gosh, you'd think we'd get this technology right. There it is. Okay. All right, lament is a form of prayer. And 
Um, all the Lament Psalms started out as someone's prayer. They then got written into usually a song that was sung at a church service or at, a, at the temple, and they were put to music. It is very poetic, as um, Tom went through last week, the poetry and the language, the form. It is, it is beautiful, but it starts out as a prayer. It's a direct, a direct address to God in our time of distress. It's saying, God, I'm in trouble. Please help me. Please save me. You are God. I am not. It is our time where we bring this to God and we lay at his feet and then we wait for him to respond. Um, there are two types of lament prayers. One is communal, and that's where people like King David bring the, the problems and the distress of the nation or of the community before God. And then there's individual prayers or individual laments where the person who's writing the lament brings their individual problems, their individual um, thoughts and distresses to God. Lament is not polite. Some lament psalms are very shocking. The language that they use um, have complaints, vindictive feelings, um, doubt, demands on God, protests with God, wild emotions, confessions of sin. It covers the whole gamut. And I'm going to read a few psalms um, of lament later and you'll, you'll see the language that's used there. Most of the time, in a lament psalm, the person is questioning where God is. Why have they abandoned them? Where are you in this, this time of trouble? Where are you? They argue with God. Sometimes there's humble, contrite prayers, but a lot of time it's pretty in God's face. And that's okay. Because lament is also profoundly hopeful. Um, it brings the need, but it also brings the hope that God is bring, going to bring an answer that God is hearing the lamenter and that God is going to step right into the middle of the situation. Despite the circumstances, despite what's going on, the lamenter still comes before God and talks to him. Unlike me in my bedroom screaming at the wall, this is coming to God, bringing your problems to God because as an act of faith and as an act of worship, we know there is hope on the horizon. We know that how things are now are not always how they're going to be. There is one psalm of lament. This is like a, what's it called? A disclaimer? <laughs> one psalm of lament where the last line of the psalm is, darkness is my closest friend. The end. And most of the psalms of lament end with declarations of hope and declarations of God is going to come through for me, and this is why God is going to come through me. That one lament, I think, is put there for, for a reason, because I think sometimes we know when we are on our face before God in the hardest times, we can't even utter the hope that is, is coming. We just end in this place of darkness, and it's because we are there with God that we can do that. And um, he, he man. I want to say he-man, but it's Heman probably is probably the best, the proper way to... He was suffering from le leprosy, and it is a very dark lament. And I feel that these laments are there for us when we too are in those times. You can read Psalm 88 and relate exactly to where Heman was and be okay with ending with darkness is my closest friend. This brings us to the fact that lament does... Go back. Is there an? Is there the fourth point for this? It did. Oh gosh, there it is. Oh, it doesn't want to stop on it. Ah, 
Because lament allows us to live in the moment. It allows us to be there in that pain, in the sorrow, in the doubt, in the confusion. And we don't have to get over it. We live in a society where people say, ah, get over it. We don't have to get over it. We can stay in that moment. We can sit in the pain. We can sit with God. And often in in the Psalms, the lamenters say, how long, God? How long? When will you answer me? And sometimes we have things in life that there is no getting over. There is no, you may have that pain of someone in your life who doesn't know Jesus and doesn't look like they're ever going to know Jesus. You may have someone in your life who's suffering um, from sickness that doesn't ever seem to get better. There are things that you just can't say get over. And sometimes we have to live in this tension of being in pain, not knowing what the answer is and not being able to look back and reflect and see what God has done. And God meets us there. And lament helps us sit in that place, await God's response and meet God there. So why do we need this? Because lament gives us a frame. It gives us a border to how we bring these prayers to God. If we're honest, sometimes when God seems far away, we don't know how to approach him. We don't know how to uh, speak the horrible things that we're thinking and feeling. We don't know where to go with those feelings. And if we take lament psalms as a framework and as a guide to how to do that, it helps us um, continue to be able to express our faith in God, express our trust in God. And as a community, we can do this together. It motivates us to action because when people are suffering and in pain, it is the loneliest place that it can be. It's isolating. Sometimes we feel like we're the only people going through those things. And if we get a chance to express our pain and our suffering, especially in a community, community, then we are no longer alone. We have a prayer circle at the back there that every week, those people that sit back there, Kevin's like waving, They are not going to be surprised if you come back there and pray a prayer of lament. If you pray a prayer of doubt, of pain, of suffering, of questioning, because that is what they're there for. They're there to stand with you in those moments, to put their arm around you and to stand before God and help you meet God in that moment. And then you're not alone. You're not feeling like you're the only person suffering. This morning when I was reading through these notes, I just was like oh my goodness, this is the picture of if we don't lament together, we can't have someone, we can't see God's answer sometimes because God's answer might be the person in this community that's going to come and meet you in that moment, who's going to pray with you, who's going to give you a meal. And if that person doesn't act, if we are the person that's supposed to act and be the answer to that pain, the person suffering doesn't see their answer from God. It takes both of us. It takes the person who's suffering to lament before God and before the community, and it takes the community to respond. You could be the answer to someone's prayer, and please take the moment to go back and pray with people at the back or grab a small group leader. If you're in small groups at the moment, don't feel like you have to present to small group this week as a person who's all together and got there at 7 o'clock. Please go, please bring your stuff, (laughs) bring your life, bring the things that God is, is, um, is, you know, you're struggling with, with God and, and, and pray to God with your group. Allow them to be part of an answer that God may have for you in this time of struggle. 
Lastly, lament moves us to hope. When we're in the darkest of times, hope seems a long, long way away. And sometimes hope feels a long way away because we feel we're blameless. We had nothing to do with this situation. It just happened to us. We can look out at the community at the moment and the culture that we're in, and we can see the battle that's going over sexuality. We can see the political environment that's very divided. We can see a pandemic health crisis that we don't understand and we don't know whether we should worry about it or not. We can see um, the racism, discrimination, all the things that come and we think, what are we going to do about this? How can I have a part in the solution of this? Lament gives us a framework to bring our prayers before God about this. It shows us how to have action and it moves us to hope. We can see that no matter what is going on, God is in control if we claim who he is and we pray parts of his character that we know in our own personal life, what we read in the Bible, what we've seen in reality in other people's lives, we claim that and keep in communication with him. He brings us and moves us out of this place of being despondent um, and into a place of hope. Let's look at how we lament then so that we can see how we can move to this place of lament. Of, uh, of hope. First of all, when we bring our laments to God, and we're going to see this when we look at some laments in Psalms in a minute, tell God what is wrong. Spell it out for him. Now, we know he knows. We know he's been before. We know he has uh, ordained all our steps, but he wants to hear from us. He wants to know what we're feeling. So tell him in black and white what is wrong. Secondly, tell God what you want to do about what tell god what you want him to do about it he wants us to bring our our desires to him he wants us to tell him how we want to see a way out of this situation he wants us to trust him for a solution and it's okay to explain what that is and lastly we are going to praise him By saying God to God that we trust him today based on the character and his action that we've seen in the past, it helps us continue to trust him and believe in action that's going to come. Even when we don't see an outcome, it's still time to praise him. It's still time to count on his character. It's still time to recount all the times that he has been good to us in the past. It's time to recount the times he's been good to other people. It's, been, it's time to recount any promise that has been made in the word about how God will love, continue to love us, be faithful with us, show us mercy, show us grace, all those things. Because as times are tough and as we see no way out, we can trust that the character of God is a God who loves us and will take us through these times. Lament and praise should never be separated. They're two sides of the same coin. They connect us to the reality of who God is and they bring us into the reality of where we are right now on earth. Um, Tom had a word last week, was it inclusio, was your new favourite word? I have a new favourite word. It's, it's vocative and it is the naming of something in, a, in, in the beginning of a psalm. We see when people cry out, they name who they're talking to. And um, as we look at these psalms, I want you to see who the first person or who these psalms are directed at. These are not complaints just directed out into society. These are not complaints directed to an empty room. These are people praying directly to God. They are calling out on him. I want you to listen for the protest. 
I want you to listen for the petition. I want you to listen for the praise. I, it, I wanted to put a psalm or two of lament up here and have it all color-coded with all the different praise and petition and that, and, and it just got too much because this is poetry and this is God's word and it just has so much more impact just to be read. I'm going to try and read out of the Bible, but um, not that it's hard to read out of the Bible, <laughs> but the print is really little um, <laughs> and I'm going blind. Um, Ian has it up on the screen, but I'm going to read a couple of Psalms, and they're not short, so I want um, you to just sit back and listen to the language, listen to the structure, listen to the complaints, listen to the praise, listen to where the psalmist comes to at the end, because I think um, it's very easy to talk about this in theoretical language of, oh, say this, do that, and you will feel this, but when you read the Psalms of Lament, the grittiness and the realness of them, I think speaks more than I can uneloquently explain up here about how um, willing God is to have us come before him and just lay everything at his feet. So this is Psalm 74. This is a communal psalm. Um, and also it's really interesting to try and imagine these being sung or read in, in the temple. So Psalm 74. Oh God, why have you rejected us forever? Why does your anger smolder against the sheep of your pastor? Remember the nation you purchased long ago, the people of your inheritance who you redeemed, Mount Zion where you dwelt. Turn your steps towards these everlasting ruins. All this destruction the enemy has brought on the sanctuary. Your foes roared in the place where you met with us. They set up their standards as signs. They behaved like men wielding axes to cut through a thicket of trees. They smashed all the carved panelling with their axes and hatchets. They burned your sanctuary to the ground. They defiled the dwelling place of your name. They said in their hearts, we will crush them completely. They burned every place where God was worshipped in the land. We are given no signs from God. No prophets are left. And none of us knows how long this will be. How long will the enemy mock you, God? Will the foe revile your name forever? Why do you hold back your hand, your right hand? Take it from the folds of your garment and destroy them. But God is my king from long ago. He brings salvation on the earth. It was you who split open the sea by your power. You broke the heads of the monster in the waters. It was you who crushed the heads of Leviathan and gave it as food to the creatures of the desert. It was you who opened up streams, springs and streams. You dried up the ever-flowing rivers. The day is yours and yours also the night. You established the sun and the moon. It was you who set all the boundaries of the earth, you who made summer and winter. Remember how the enemy has mocked you, Lord, how foolish people have reviled your name. Do not hand over the life of your dove to wild beasts. Do not forget the lives of your afflicted people forever. Have regard for your covenant, because haunts of violence fill the dark places of the land. Do not let the oppressed retreat in disgrace. May the poor and needy praise your name. Rise up, O God, and defend your cause. Remember how fools mock you all day long. Do not ignore the clamor of your adversaries, the uproar of your enemies, which rises continually. I mean, that's pretty, pretty straight there, isn't it? That's going directly. This was after the temple had been destroyed. But, I mean, when someone can pray to God, where are you? What are you doing? Why don't you take your hand out of your cloak and do something? I mean, that, that's pretty real. And that's what God says is okay. That's what God says, come to me with those feelings. Come to me with those emotions. 
demand of me a response. Psalm 22 is an individual lament, and same thing. I just want to read it, and I just, I just want you to take in the, the words and the, look for those things, um, the prayers of praise and the claiming of God's character in the time of, of distress. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one of is, the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted you and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, See, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere all the descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but he has listened to his cry from help for help. For you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, prosperity will serve, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. When we come to Jesus, when we come to God with our laments, please make a list of all the great things he has done. Please finish with that line, he has done it. Please write down the promises. Have those in front of you. Have the word in front of you so that as you present your prayers to him of, of lament, you can also bring praise and hope from, from claiming the faithfulness of God. Um, here are three ways that you could include lament in your spiritual practice. Choose a lament psalm just like we have, I just read two and just read it. Because already right there in front of you, you have some promises and some great characteristics of God that you can claim because the, the lament psalmists have done it for you. You could also take a psalm and reword it based on your current circumstances. So maybe take 
enemies out and change it with depression or with um, rotten teenagers who are not listening to you or um, unemployment or anything that is going on in your life, people who don't, um, you know, treat you fairly at work or any of the things that you are lamenting on. Um, Psalm 13, I promise this is a short one, it's six verses. All right, Psalm uh, 13 is a really good one to do this with if you want to try this approach of just uh, subbing out words for your own situation. Here it is, Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day and day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Take that, that lament and fill it in. Fill it in with where you're at today and claim that promise at the end that you will trust in God's unfailing love and that your heart will rejoice in your salvation and you'll sing in the Lord's praise for he has been good to you. Or you could write your own lament psalm, your own lament poem. Use the formula, protest, petition and praise and, and, and write your own poem to God. Write your own prayer. Um, the process of writing it out and Kerry, our journal queen, will encourage you to do this. <laughs> Helps not only in the moment, but it gives you something to look back at later. When you see God's answers and when you see the way God has come through for you, you can go back and just see where he has brought you from. So finally, the fruit of lament is that sometimes God says, yes, we bring our prayers and our concerns and our doubts and our questions to him. We ask for him to provide and he provides abundantly. Sometimes we ask for healing and he heals miraculously. Sometimes we ask for justice and justice is upheld. Sometimes we pray prayers of sorrow and we, we have comfort. But sometimes uh, God says no. And in the no, though, if we are focused on him, if we are bringing our, our, pray, our prayers to him, he will surprise us. He will surprise us in his, the way he answers. It may not be how we told him we wanted um, him to answer us in our lament, but he will answer. He is a faithful God. So we may pray prayers of doubt, and we will see changes in our heart, and we will be okay with the uncertainty. We might pray prayers of relief from pain, and we will find contentment in where we're at and a way to cope with the situation as it is for however long we need to. We might pray prayers of frustration with people around us who are faithless and instead of being focused on their actions, we, we start to have a softening of our heart. We start to have compassion for those people around us. We start to see our own faithlessness and learn to be a faithful friend. Um, we may be prayed to be vindicated and we're reminded that God's grace is extended to everyone and that we once too were forgiven and that we may need to forgive those that are um, causing us grief just as God extended grace and mercy to us. We might ask for justice and instead of seeing the answer we want, we may see our heart change and revenge is something that we no longer desire or want for the people that are harming us. These are the ways that lament move us from pain to hope. And 
like I said, the answer might not be what we told God, but it may be an answer all the, all the same, and it may be the one that he gives us that surprises us. So, Psalm 139, where I started <laughs> this whole journey into lament. David wrote Psalm 139. He is not a stranger to lament. He wrote many, many, many psalms and many, many, many lament psalms. Um, and the, the one point of departure that caused me to go on this whole lament uh, journey was that often when you look up Psalm 139 and it is listed as a lament psalm, people launch right into verse 18, 19, <laughs> 19, um, where he starts talking about slaying the wicked um, and talking about his adversaries as if that, because that's the part that is not praising God, that is the lament part, and then the rest was the praise and that it was kind of, you know, there was this, there's a departure in interpretation for a couple of ways. I realized when I learned about Psalm 139, um, that I took the whole thing as a lament uh, in that verses like verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Was really about David going, I really need a break, God. <laughs> I need five minutes where you don't know me, see me, hear me. Um, and yet, really, you can read those verses as complete praise and claim them as promises that there is just nowhere that you will go where God won't be with you. So I think um, I'm happy to take it both ways. I'm happy to take it that this may be a psalm that you could read when you're feeling like you need um, a little moment. Or it could be a psalm that you read when you need the, re the affirmation that God knew you from before you were knitted together in um, your mother's womb. I'm not going to read through this because in a minute we're going to have communion and we have a lyric video that's going to play that has these scriptures in, in the lyric video. And um, I'm going to ask you to take some time as we have communion to lament, to take some time to reflect, to take some time to bring your doubts and questions to God. David was so good at this. David, King David, he had a... Whew, he had a lot going on that he needed to bring to God, and he brought it every single time. As you read through the Psalms, um, and I hope you're reading through the Psalms this six weeks um, as we're going through the Psalms, he laid it all out there for God. And this Psalm, Psalm 139, was after he'd become king, and he was wanting to be a king who would uphold the covenant that he had with God that if we do the right thing as a people, you will bless us and you will honor us, God. And he, you know, didn't want his enemies to be successful in, in overthrowing where he was at. He was praying as a king, and as this is an individual lament, where he's saying, search me, God, know me, know everything that I am doing that would honor you and be able to lead your people and that you will honor us as our God. But it could also be that he was praying that for his, his community that he was leading, that they would also um, honor him. Because in all our walks with Jesus and with God, our whole uh, desire to serve him and to honor him and be faithful to him is what brings us to a place of hope. Because as we are obedient, we see God in his character reflected in us as in our obedience and we, we see someone that we want to continue to be obedient to. 
And David, that last verse, search me and know me, see if there's any anxious way in me, is exactly um, the cry that he ended his lament with in, in Psalm 139. And as we take communion and as we remember that God gave us a way to access him, a way to continue to be obedient to him, a way to be forgiven in the death of Jesus on the Christ. We move into a place with him where as we bring our laments, our doubts, our confusions, our questions, we're not being judged. We're not being um, held to a, a standard that is a place where we have to do certain things like the Old Testament, that a lot of, of the laws that the covenant was, be the people and I will bless you. God gave us Jesus. He gave us him on the cross in order for us to, oh, I'm going around in circles. Hang on, wait, breathe, <laughs> breathe. As we take this bread and we remember Jesus' sacrifice for us, we remember that is the final gift of God's love for us. And a God who loves us so much that he gave us his only son to die for us can handle our lament. He can handle every situation that is going on in our life. He can take it all. And Jesus took it all on the cross for us so that as we now walk through life, we have his love, we have his support, we have his faithfulness to walk with us. And I just hope as you read, as you either read the psalm or read the words that are on the screen that whatever's going on right now in your life and whatever you would bring to Jesus as your lament, you will know that he will be faithful to see you through it. Um, so as the ushers come forward with the elements, we're going to take both the bread and the cup together. And I'm not going to come back up and say when to take them, just to take, you can take them in your own time as you meet with Jesus. I just want to pray as, um, as you're collecting the elements. God, thank you so much for meeting us where we're at in each of our individual situations. I feel a little, <laughs> I feel like I really want the, your message of your love to reach everyone here today and that my words may not confuse people or take away from that because God, you are a big God and you can handle everything that is in our lives right now. And the pain that I know a lot of us are feeling, the confusion, the stuff that's going on that we don't have an answer for, Lord. It's really hard just day in, day out in the grind to, to be in that and to feel hopeless. And yet we are not to feel hopeless, Lord, because you promise us that you will never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You gave your son, Lord, for us. You love us so much that you are willing to sacrifice your own son for us, Lord. And I just pray that as we take a moment to reflect on that, Lord, and as we move through this week in our pain and in our, in our doubts, that we will not feel alone and that we will not feel as if you have abandoned us or that you are making us suffer for longer than we need to, Lord. I just pray that we will see your graciousness, your mercy, 
your love, your compassion for us, Lord. I just really thank you so much that you loved us first. Pray these things in your name.